Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is SiriusXM. I'm John Fugelsang. So by now, I assume you've all learned the story of Kate Cox, Texas mom of two, received a diagnosis of trisomy 18, a chromosomal anomaly in her fetus that in all but very rare cases results in miscarriage, stillbirth, or an infant's death within the first year after birth. Her doctor said that an abortion would be the safest option for her health since there was no way the fetus inside of her could survive. Ms. Cox has been to the emergency room four times during the course of her pregnancy for discharge and cramping, so the doctors agreed. For her own reproductive health, for her own reproductive freedom and long-term well-being, it was best to terminate this pregnancy and try again. Keep in mind that under Texas law, any doctor convicted of performing an abortion can face a prison term of up to 99 years and fines of at least $100,000. Also keep in mind the majority of women who terminate pregnancies are, in fact, mothers. So first, a court in Texas, as you know, said Ms. Cox could have an abortion. Another court... And the corrupt, impeached Texas attorney general said she couldn't. So she did what any Texas resident did who didn't want to be pregnant and forced to be so by the state. She left the state, terminated her pregnancy in another state, as so many women have to. Now, the Amarillo City Council has announced it's going to consider a proposed abortion travel ban. Yes, they're going to try to ban women from leaving the state to go to states where this procedure is legal. This is where I remind you that abortion is healthier and safer than pregnancy or childbirth. It's madness, I know. But is this the next battlefield in the war for freedom of American women? I am so thrilled to be ending this year with one more conversation with Rachel O'Leary Carmona. She's been executive director of Women's March for more than a decade, working to inspire and mobilize people to shape the actions and policies that actually affect their communities. Uh, Rachel previously worked with Amnesty International USA, Women for Women International, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. And if that's not enough, Rachel became an Amarillo, Texas resident just to fight the Trump-appointed Judge Kazmarek's ruling against the FDA's approval of Mifepristone. It's been an insane year. It's an honor to welcome back Rachel O'Leary Carmona. Hello. Hi. Hi. Happy it's a lo- here again. <laughs> it's great to have <laughs> you back. And I'm sorry that we're coming to you so much because Texas has lost its damn mind so deeply. But thank you for being with us. Um, and thank you for all the work you've done all year and for joining us so many times. W- what is going on in Amarillo? They, they just announced they're going to consider a proposed travel ban. I don't even understand how that would work or how it could ever be enforced. Well, I think those are a lot of the questions that are, you know, still floating around in the ether. And the travel ban is part of a broader campaign that is being pushed by um, a group of extremists called the Right to Life East Texas. And so they are actually peddling this ordinance, kind of this ordinance in a box all around West Texas and some other friendly, you know, cities. There's been, I think, a few in, um, there was certainly one in Ohio uh, where they tried to get this passed in Ohio um, and the anti-abortion movement there said, you are actually hurting us and you need to leave because even antis think that this uh, measure is too extreme. And so they're, MO was that they go to little cities that, you know, don't have um, a strong democratic process in the sense that, you know, both 
sides or multiple sides of any one you know issue is is discussed in a robust way inside of a mm-hmm. you know the decision making process and then he claims victory and says oh we won again we won again um and the reality is is that he has failed in a number of larger cities um where there was uh you know any kind of real robust process where you know multiple perspectives can be heard you know, so he's in Amarillo and he's trying to run his hustle. And uh, um, the Amarillo City Council, I think, feels some pressure, which is not really clear to me why, because there's I've attended the last couple of uh, city council meetings. And, you know, the people who are speaking to this are are primarily outsiders. Um, the, the last city council <laughs> meeting, in fact, so many outsiders the first time. And by outsiders, I mean from Longview, Texas, which is almost in Louisiana, literally mm. from another state, from New Mexico. And so there were so many outsiders speaking that in the last city council meeting last week, they didn't allow people from outside of Amarillo to speak because um, on their side, it was the only group who is speaking. So, yeah, that's what's happening. I mean, it's it seems like madness from from this distance. And I love Texas. I have family in Texas. But right now, it seems like for women, for healthcare workers, for legal professionals, for anyone who cares about women's freedom, uh, it's horrifying because this whole notion of a, a travel ban, like you have to leave the state now to terminate a pregnancy, except we're going to ban you from leaving the state. That would be a ban on only women from traveling and having free association in the United States, it seems like it's just designed to create a greater mood of fear to make it more difficult to get standard health care in a very rural area of the state where people are going to have to travel a long distance for any care as it is. I mean, it seems like the smallest local municipalities in Texas are deciding to play with the big boys in the forced birth business, passing these laws, or at least trying to, to literally stop citizens from traveling out of state. Yes. Well, it wouldn't just impact women because, so in Amarillo, You're right. three key trusts are, first, of course, there would be no abortions in Amarillo. Well, there are no abortions in Amarillo because Amarillo is in Texas and Texas is under a, a ban. So there already are no abortions in Amarillo. But the second key thrust of this case or of this ordinance is that it would be illegal for Amarillo women to leave and seek an abortion elsewhere. And then the third thrust would be that um, using streets and highways that run through Amarillo. And if you're familiar with Texas, you know that Highway 40 runs through Amarillo. Um, and so it is a huge throughway to, I mean, depending on where you're coming from, to uh, New Mexico or Colorado from East Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, um, you know, even, I don't know if people from Louisiana might even go um, so far as to do that. Um, Whole Women's right. Health moved to New Mexico, actually, the clinic that was at the center of the Dobbs case. And so the issue here is that it's both a ban, but it's also a snitch law, just like, yes. Um, yes. you know, at the eight. And so if you, for example, are a business owner, let's I mean, here, here's a couple of different scenarios. You're a business owner. You give someone paid leave to go and take two weeks off. They don't tell you why they go and have an abortion in that time. Someone finds out legally in this ordinance, you are liable. You can be sued in this vigilante justice, you know, driven ordinance. And the same thing for, you know, SBA. So it's like, you know, the if you drive someone, so you don't even have to be in the car driving. You don't have to have foreknowledge. You can just be a person who has somehow by the legal definition, aided and abetted this person, and you all of a sudden are liable. And so what happens if you're a business owner and you treat your employees well and you do that and your competitor finds out that that happened and decides to snitch you out? This is the problem with vigilante justice. Yeah. And and why SB8 is a problem. I mean, this is one one of the reasons why SB8 is a problem. It's a reason why the, the these um, sanctuary cities for the unborn ordinances are a problem. Because not only is it a gross overreach of what a what a city is supposed to be engaged in, which is the function of, you know, municipal governance and, and you know, just functioning. But <laughs> also um, it's 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 duplicative from the law, the law that is already in place and the law that is already in place is um, inhumane, as we're seeing. And yeah. there's Supreme Court cases that are are challenging it right now. And and also not nothing for nothing. There's the human cost 
of all of these bans um, in Texas. Mm-hmm. The, the ban is, you know, the, we've seen the human cost with Kate Cox, with, you know, the 22 women who are suing the state um, and I'm sure numerous untold stories, you know, that we'll never hear. But there's that's also right. a, a there's an uh, amicus brief that's been filed by um, businesses that are in Texas that say that this has cost them about 15 billion with a B in lost revenue. So it's not good for humanity. It's not good for business. It's not good for it's not good science. So what is it good for? <laughs> like, Absolutely that, nothing. That is the question. Exactly. (laughs) You know, know, I I actually heard someone say that right now in Texas, you could argue that a cow has more human rights than a human woman because no farmer would ever force a cow to die carrying a dead calf. They would helicopter a vet in right away as soon as they knew to save the life of the cow with women. You're on your own. And I already know that four other small towns in Texas are trying to have bands just like this. Rachel, I I don't want to get too much into sci-fi and conjecture, but how the hell would they be able to enforce a travel ban out of the state? What I I mean, what might that look like? It sounds like it's just a lot of vice signaling and tough talk. I mean, I do think I do think that there's a lot of signaling. You know, I think that I think that what the Amarillo City Council thinks is that why are you making such a big deal of this? There's already a ban. All this is is a ban on a ban, and it gets us out of a tight spot with some of our constituents, and no one will ever actually enforce this. <laughs> but the problem is that they actually have been enforced, you know? And so, um, you know, I don't think there's going to be, you know, Texas Rangers, you know, roving around on the street and, like, you know, looking right. into people's cars. But I do think that people can be snitched out, as we saw, um, I think it's I Idaho, there's a case where somebody, a, a, a young woman, I think she was under the age of 18, got an abortion and had a falling out with her friends in high school. And one of her, you know, ex-friends uh, snitched her out and used amazing caps from, you know, fa- a Facebook chat. And then they I think I'm pretty sure they confirmed that with data on her phone. But regardless, Did she get paid? If was, this a, was this a bounty situation where she got paid? I'm not positive about that. I would have to go back and, and search that. But there are okay. bounties. There are rewards, you know, for yep. in some places. So, I mean, I think that there is just the human element of turning neighbor against neighbor, friend against friend, you know, and ex, ex, well, they're know, good Christians, of, Rachel. That's what good Christians yeah, do, right? Yeah. Yes. Go <laughs> destroy families and, and destroy families and communities over things the Bible never bans is what good teachers do. Exactly. They're good Christians do. Yeah, exactly. But also then there's the issue um, that no one is really talking about that really got a lot of steam right after Dobbs. But then I I feel like kind of lost it, which is the data on your phone. So right after Dobbs, we saw a lot of people saying delete the period tracking apps on your phone and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't really matter because you can actually still do geofencing. You can, you know, you can just subpoena GPS data if you have your GPS to figure out how to get from Amarillo to, you know, Albuquerque or wherever Hobbs. And so I think that people there's a lot of ways to enforce it, not before the fact, but after that can be used to make people pay a price. And there are articles where, you know, the the New Mexican providers are saying, yeah, we are already seeing a lot of people calling. And then before they schedule, they get cold feet and they say they're afraid because they don't want to travel, you know, in a place and get caught breaking the law. Jesus, you know, this is America in the 21st century. This is America in the Mm -hmm. 21st century. And this is Mm -hmm. Amarillo, where we've already spoken so much about that Trump appointed judge trying to ban American women from having access to mifepristone, which, of course, is safer than surgical abortions, safer than pregnancy, safer than childbirth. And the last time you were here, we talked about nightmare hypotheticals about what that would mean if they were Mm -hmm. successful in banning mifepristone nationwide. Women would still order it by mail. To me, it's been a slippery slope that would lead directly to government bureaucrats being sanctioned to go through the mail of American citizens (laughs) in red states. Right. I mean, am I am I being a little too alarmist here with my speech or is this literally the playing field we're looking at? No, I think that's the playing field that we're looking at. I think they're going ultimately for the Comstock law, you know, and I think that the issue here is that 
the GOP is holding a losing hand. They don't have science on their side. They don't have time on their side. They don't have youth yep. on their side. They don't have public That's opinion right. on their side. They don't have the they don't have majority on their, on their side. Yep. They don't have the, exactly nothing. And so what they do have are these little two, three pack courts, you know, and and they just have like audacity. And so I think they're trying to do as much as they can in these courts you know, so that they can continue to move this agenda. But what is so wily coyote about this is that, you know, since the last time we talked, they lost another round of elections. That's right. <laughs> and again, so again, are, again, again. And they are so stuck in this. They it's like they've made a deal with the devil, you know, where for so long this was something that animated their base and it helped them get voters out. That's it. And it helped maybe paper over the fact that, you know, their their base is not with them on some some of these issues. And so now that they've they're like the dog that caught the car. Now. Now what? You know, and now they're finding that actually Americans, not Democrats, but Americans don't favor these bans, including Republicans. And that's not just polling. It's not just public opinion. It's the hardcore outcomes of these ballot initiatives that have happened in red states, some of which have a trifecta. So we know that Republicans actually don't want this. We know that they're pushing it with, you know, kind of just blind fury and intensity and what the outcome of that will be on the GOP in 2024, I think, will be disastrous. And you see already the career kind of more of the politicians saying, oh, no, we're not going to ban. We're going to federal legislation. They start to call it different things. They're starting to That's massage right. the messaging, distance themselves. But the truth is that you already have presidential candidates critiquing Texas. Texas mm-hmm. is 10 toes long. They're not going to move on it, you know, and so the base is fracturing. The party is fracturing along this line. And so to a certain extent, it got everything that it dreamed of and now is in an existential crisis. And if we can continue to push on those cracks and continue to move the the middle that's movable. I mean, there are some people for whom, you know, this issue is just a, a religious, you know, it's a non-starter to, yeah. to have anything within a total ban, which, you know, under a situation where there were no ban, they could still make that decision for themselves. Um, of course, they of course. Especially <laughs> since Judaism, especially, I've always got to say this, the Bible doesn't ban abortion. Judaism doesn't ban abortion. God right. and Jesus in the book never ban abortion. This is right. just how, when white supremacy failed as a movement, they latched onto this. And it has been the greatest way to get followers of Jesus to vote against the stuff Jesus actually talked about, like welcoming the stranger and individuals and nations caring for the sick and the poor and now i'm going off on a on a rant and i'm sorry uh oh i get so i get so frustrated about this but well, you, you need under jesus's please. work but like at the same time we've got i mean you can't you can't call yourself a pro-life movement when as soon as the baby is born you know as george carlin and a, and a number of other people said since that you know, then it's the the baby's on its own. You don't have yeah. paid leave. You don't have support for the mother. You want to cut snap. You want to cut, you know, all of these things. And so, like, I don't understand how this is pro-life. It's just pro-force birth. Exactly. And like, and I think we just have to 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 call it that, because if if I mean, it, it, even when you're talking about health care, you're talking about, I mean, anything there, the these folks do not want to provide the things that could actually make pregnancy some pregnancies anyway feasible for people health care financial support like you know all kinds of things it's like there's no consistency political consistency inside of this particular argument and i think that enough people have had a pregnancy scare have had a daughter who's come home with a pregnancy scare have dealt with the per- repercussions of a you know a pregnancy that had medical problems that this is an issue that just reaches across the aisle exactly. and you know yeah. they and and they're losing <laughs> long story short they're losing and they know it as well as we know it we're going to take a very quick break we'll be right back this is progress Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And welcome back, Rachel. What terrifies me the most is how they're doubling down on the dumbing down. Let's let's talk briefly about Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, who, of course, uh, has long ties as senior spokesperson to the ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom, which does not mm-hmm. defend freedom if you're a gay person or if you're a taxpaying citizen who wants to end <laughs> pregnancy. It's the freedom to pretend Jesus hates the same people you hate. That's the freedom they fight for. And he mm-hmm. has been very upfront. I mean, they keep getting bad news. You're right. Supreme Court just last week refused to hear the ADF case on keeping conversion therapy for LGBTQ youth on the grounds of religious liberty in the First Amendment. Jesus also not a homophobe, not against abortion, not against the gays, but they don't care. It seems like the more the courts and the public go against these opinions, the more they double down. And Johnson has confirmed that anti-abortion politics will be central to the Republican agenda going into the 2024 elections. It it seems like they're just going to continue trying to convert the people that are already solidly in their camp while repelling everybody else. I agree. Yeah, I think um, I think that the challenge that the I mean, I think it's a little bit of sunk cost fallacy, you know, but I think that when you've spent a long time making a mistake, it's hard to stop making it. And so I think they're still trying to figure out how to write the ship um, hmm. and to figure out how they can you know, get all of this investment rather than saying this was an effective tactic for us to move our political agenda forward. And it's no longer an effective tactic for us. So maybe we need to make some shifts. And I think that, you know, the extremists in the party are just looking for, you know, any kind of engine to attach this, you know, trailer of anti-democratic ideas to. And this has been a really, you know, a really, you know, a very, a very reliable one. And, and I understand it's like, there'll be times when we send out surveys or emails and we're surveying on the issues that, you know, have performed very well for us in the past and in, in the sense of getting a lot of feedback back, you know, like yeah. we want to know what people think about elections or Trump or whatever. And sometimes they come back and people just aren't um, moved in the same way. And and it's confusing for us because we're like, but you were so into this before and now you're not into this. And right. the thing is that political conditions change for the base. And if you are not in touch with the base to understand that, then you run the risk of uh, this type of misalignment. And so when we have when we have emails or we have surveys or we have actions or things like that, where our own base doesn't show up on a on a little micro scale of of, you know, right. the Republican, then we realize, oh, we're not aligned. Now we have to have some more conversations. We have to do some, you know, some more surveying to see where people are. And then we have to align ourselves. And I think that what's happening is that they have so much money and so many powerful um, ideologues who refuse a realignment that they actually cannot do that. So they're in a position where they're going to cleave off more and more and they, they don't have an answer for that. So let me ask you then, in closing, as this year ends and this crazy year of primaries and criminal trials begins, how do we push back? I mean, you moved all the way from Brooklyn to Amarillo to fight this, but people shouldn't boycott Amarillo. What, what is the best way for people listening to this conversation, people of good conscience who respect women getting to make their own health care systems and not politicians pretending to be Christians making those health decisions for women? 
how can people best support and fight back alongside you? I mean, I think that people have to go where the fight is and the fight will be in different places. I mean, if you are, you know, in a blue part of a blue state, it's hard to understand you know what that looks like and i i would say that that just looks like getting involved with a political home getting involved with a you know a, a an organization or you know even a group it doesn't have to be an organization that is that is doing you know the kind of work to change conditions for people that make it easier and not harder to build power both in communities electoral power whatever that looks like you know, we are going where the fight is. And so, you know, we we actually took a lot of heat last year because we had um, our convention in Texas and everyone was like, oh, I can't believe you're going to go to Texas. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're going to continue to bring the fight directly yes. to wherever they are acting up. That is absolutely where we are going to be. And so our eyes are very very laser focused on the nine states that are likely to have ballot initiatives. Mm-hmm. Now those I'm um, say likely because there have to be signatures like people, you know, like most states have until like June, July to get the signatures to make sure that it gets on the ballot, you know, in in um, in November. But um, we're looking at nine states and we do know that a number of those states are important to the, you know, to the outcome of the election, particularly Arizona. So I think that we have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. And the left has to develop a more sophisticated analysis around places like Texas. You know, living in Texas, I've never heard more people say, like, why? Why would you go there? Why are they? Well, they deserve whatever they get because that's what they get voted in. And it's like, you know, I know it doesn't work that way. Exactly. Are that we fighting for everybody or are we not fighting for everybody? Exactly. If we're only fighting for but people it, like us, we might as well be Republicans. Yes. But if, if abortion is attack on democracy, then so are so is gerrymandering. And in states like Texas, there's a reason why they don't want this to go to a vote in Texas, because they know it would lose. And yeah. that means that issues that, you know, supersede the gerrymander that that don't get voted in the same way would necessarily reflect the diversity of the state in ways that, you know, that that gets over their their obstacles. They do not want that. And so the the evidence, the fight that Republicans have to take this to a ballot initiative and then, of course, their subsequent back to back to back to back losses demonstrate that this is the will of the people that they are overriding. This is an attack on democracy and we have to recognize it as such. So we will continue to go where the attack is greatest, you know, in the in the reddest parts and keep the fight in the states, you know, while at the same time understanding that if we're successful at a ballot initiative in Arizona, we would likely be successful at holding that state and perhaps moving, not just holding the, the White House and the Senate, but flipping the House and then being yep. able to move on national legislation. So I think we we have to put one foot in front of the other and we can't, you know, get too far, let the cart get in front of the horse. But I do think that really recognizing a couple of things which are true. The first thing that is true is these ballot initiatives that are being organized by, you know, groups of feminists that are being voted on in record numbers by groups of feminists are driving election results at the polls and we need those election results to drive us to a situation where we do hold right. a so that we can protect democracy because there's a lot of things going on and i understand that there is there is some um, dissatisfaction with the economy or you know the way that you know gaza has been handled or of course you know number of other things that are happening. But what is also true is that none of the things that we are dissatisfied with get better under fascism. Amen. They Thank you. Worse. And politicians that we don't agree with, even that we disagree with, you know, very strongly is still very different from fascism. And that <laughs> is Trump is Trump is not even saying it. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a whole dictator. He's not yeah. lying about it. He's not throwing rocks. He's saying exactly what he's going to do. 
And so we have to understand that. And it's it, I understand that people say, oh, well, there's a difference. You know, and we have to we have, we have to make a choice. We're not going to choose the lesser of two evils anymore and blah, blah, blah. And it's and it's moral. And I no, understand I not voting understand. is choosing not voting is choosing the greater of two evils. And people will <laughs> get that message by next November. We are out of time. But Rachel O'Leary Carmona, it is always an honor to have you. Ms. Carmona is executive director of Women's March. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your work? You can find me at Rach Carmona on social media across the board and womensmarch.com to figure out how to get involved. Thanks again so much. Please join us again in the new year. And thank you for all the work you do. We'd be happy to. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll be right back. Bye. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. Welcome back. I'm John Fugelsang. I'm so excited to welcome our next guest back. You may have heard of her on the Vice docuseries about women running for office. Maybe you, you saw her on the cover of Time magazine with dozens of other first-time women candidates. Maybe you heard about her endorsement from President Barack Obama. Representative Anna Eskamani serves on behalf of Florida's 42nd District of Orange County in the State House of Representatives. She is the daughter of Iranian immigrants. She worked at Planned Parenthood. She was endorsed by the Sierra Club and the Florida Conservation Voters. And uh, my my favorite thing to say about her is she got elected in the state of Florida, and I always say this, without taking any money at all from fossil fuel companies or the sugar industry. And she has been a complete rock star uh, pushing back against Ron DeSantis's attacks on democracy, AP, SATs, college boards, voting rights, LGBT rights, women's rights and Disney. Representative Escamani, welcome back to Sirius XM. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. I, I'm glad we get to end the year with uh, a bit of time. You have been a real inspiration this year, how you have shown consistently that the personal is political and that our state and local elections matter so much more than who's president. Before we even get started on the issues, I just want to ask, and I don't mean to be inappropriate, I don't want to mean to be maudlin, but if you'd like to take a, a vow of a brief moment of silence to commemorate the presidential aspirations of Ron DeSantis, we're having a funeral here all month long to remember. I mean, I just saw his campaign a year ago. It looked so, it seemed so healthy a year ago, but <laughs> now we're, we're oh, pouring out of 40 for our homie Ron. Answer. Yeah. Are, are, are your colleagues really. surprised at the complete atrophy? Are they are they shocked at the level of collapse of this campaign? So there are a few who are still holding on on the yes. Republican side. I mean, in fact, I remember during one of the recent debates, there was a, a social media, sad social media campaign around that I'm with Ron. And <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, the governor Ron DeSantis still has the veto power of legislation and, and, and funding. So I think my Republican colleagues are still going to um, kiss his boots, if you will, because they need to for some of their priorities. But when it comes to just his incredible failure on the national stage, many of us predicted it. I think you and I spoke about it in passing. Yes, I mean, we did. This is not a man that is ready for prime time. And when you think about just the context of Florida, you have complete control of all branches of government. You know, you have Republicans that are just consolidating around you. It's, it's not really difficult to govern as Republican in Florida. You get what you want, basically. So he really hasn't demonstrated you know, any type of actual leadership, no type of um, collaboration. And really, I think his his biggest failure was trying to be like Trump, because at the end of the day, you just can't out Trump Trump unless you have been indicted i led an insurrection you, you just can't do it you can't Chris do Christie it gave up trying yeah christy exactly. gave up trying. exactly that's one reason why nikki haley you know is providing the contrast because she really is the most obvious contrast and of course she doesn't have a path forward either but him trying to chase trump was never going to work out you just can't do that with your republican base 
No, I do appreciate all the opposition research he's provided the Biden campaign about Nikki Haley <laughs> and about Trump. Ron DeSantis, all that money those suckers sent in. He did some homework for Democrats. I'll, I'll give him that. Oh, but, absolutely. I mean, it's just a season where we're watching your governor get beaten up almost every week by either Donald Trump or Nikki Haley or even Gavin Newsom. What a night that was. <laughs> that took five years off my life. Totally. Well, let me tell you, one thing that I'm processing going into the 2024 legislative session is how will not only how will DeSantis behave, but how will other Republicans look towards him? I mean, there's two things a hurt dog can do, right? You can either whimper or you can bite and bark. And I I really do feel like he's going to be that barker still um, just because you know this is his last chance to try to use his bully pulpit uh, as we approach Iowa caucus voters. Now, to that point, I would be remiss if I didn't mention how the Republican Party of Florida is just imploding on itself right now. Please, I'm sure let's talk about that. Know, yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, the controversy, the scandal, and, and to give folks more context here. So Florida's Republican Party is currently led by someone named Christian Ziegler. Christian his Ziegler. Wife, yes. <laughs> his oh. wife is Bridget Ziegler. Indeed who is she a is. co-founder oh, right, yes. of Moms for Liberty. Say it. Say it proud. School board member in Sarasota County. I am not partying with any more Moms for Liberty. I'll tell you that. I am partying with zero of those ladies. Recently that's that's all I can say. that they have been engaged in a threesome with another God bless woman. them. God God bless him. It's great. Happy honestly, for him. Honestly, do what you got to do. Do most likable thing I've well, heard, Representative. Most likable thing I've heard about this couple so far. I have no problem. I'm, we're not here to kink shame in New York or Florida, are we, Congressman? No, not at of all. Course no, not. But as long as it's consensual, <laughs> and what we are learning is that this was not. And the reason why we've exactly. learned about this is because he is being accused of of rape, of sexual assault. And of course, this has just led to a collapse, you know, of these so-called champions for traditional family values. And 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 like we just said, I don't care what your what your experiences are when it comes to mm. your personal life. I, I don't I. have a preference God bless. at all. Enjoy it as Live long it as it's consensual. Exactly. Well, but, also, but, but as long as it's consensual, of... but also as as long as you're not a raging hypocrite who Correct. has labored long hours to make life horrible for gay and trans children. That's what I'm saying. A hundred percent. This notion of sexual freedom for me, but not for thee is absurd hypocritical they should absolutely be held accountable to this double standard they have established i mean these are these are political officials and leaders who have demonized lgbtq plus people who have who have banned books that highlight diverse experiences and stories who have upheld this this faux standard of what a uh, an American family should look like and how women should behave in such structures. And yet this is the life that they're leading behind closed doors, which again, that's fine. You do you, but stop Great. faking and, and, and perpetuating your self hate on the rest of us. Let us live. Let us have our experience. Let us be ourselves and, and let people be authentically themselves. And <laughs> I, honestly, I'm just, We've we've always made the point that so much of the Republican rhetoric is projection, that they actually are, you know, hiding from the realities of their lives and their own uh, experiences they don't want others others to know about. And here was just one of the most I mean, you could even make this up. Right. It's just Mm -hmm. it's one of the wildest examples, um, but it is creating um, just chaos in the Republican Party, Florida, in Orlando. They have reduced his salary to one dollar. They have stripped him of a lot of his authority. They, he will not resign, neither will Bridget Ziegler, which also feeds into, you know, this very Trumpian mentality that regardless of oh, just yeah. how many terrible decisions you make <laughs> and uh, you just won't leave. So unfortunately, Great. you know, Keep they're, them they're there. holding Keep- on. And I right. say keep them there. I think those those D.C. Democrats representative were crazy to let George Santos go. I say keep oh, the totally. Zigglers right where totally. they are and let them be totally. the face of the Florida GOP. I agree with you. I mean, they moved so quickly to try to remove Christian Ziegler. And there's a reason for that, because they realized that him being in this position of authority was vulnerable to them. And it also demonstrates the rest of the state who they really are. 
these are people that preach one thing and practice something else. And yeah, it's better to keep them there as long as possible, for sure. Exactly. My understanding is, Representative, that Christian Ziegler asked for about a $2 million buyout from the party to resign. I've never heard of someone doing this with a petty cash fund before. It's not like the corporate (laughs) world where you can just get packaged out and walk away with three months pay. I mean, it's $2 million to stop embarrassing the party. I'll pay him $2 million to stay there and embarrass them further. (laughs) The arrogance, just the the complete arrogance. And to think that you're worth $2 million. I'm sorry, honey. Like, please, (laughs) please check yourself. Like, just incredible. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Hey, all. Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example, the oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath. Quote, and I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight, because justice matters. Look for Justice Matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. Welcome back. You know, in April of last year, Florida passed a 15-week abortion ban, and then a year later, that ban was expanded to six weeks. We've been watching the Florida Supreme Court to see when we can look forward to this actually happening. In the midst of it all, while the media is covering, as well they should, the awful story of Miss Kate Cox mm-hmm. in the state of uh, of Texas, where she had to leave the state because right. the doctor told her she had to terminate a pregnancy. I'm wondering when Anya Cook's story is going to make nationwide news, because Absolutely. we're seeing forced pregnancies happen in Florida right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is devastating when we look at the national landscape on reproductive freedom. The fact that you have individuals that are forced to travel to seek care who have to share with the world their most intimate experiences and stories in order to seek what should be clear access to healthcare, clear access to self-determination. You know, in the context of Anya and her story, I have no doubt it will continue to get more coverage and there will be more stories just like hers who continue to be shared because mm-hmm. when there is one, there is there are many. And it's important for folks to also realize the incredible role Florida plays just in the larger landscape of reproductive rights in the country. Florida does have, as you noted, a 15-week abortion ban in place right now. Every Thursday is D-Day for us. It's decision day. We're waiting for the state Supreme Court to put out a decision that will then trigger the six-week abortion ban 30 days yes. later. And so though we have we have a ban at 15, we are still one of the more accessible states in the Southeast. And we've seen a huge influx of patients. I'll tell you, my local abortion providers are struggling with the demand because we're seeing so many patients from states like Texas, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, so many. And when our six-week ban goes into place, we're then going to become the state where patients are fleeing from. And it's going to be devastating. Things will get worse before they get better. But I say they'll get better because... We are on the path to codify abortion here in the Sunshine State. In fact, we have so far have collected and verified 85% of the petitions we need to get abortion on the ballot in 2024. read my mind. Is this Floridians protecting freedom? Correct. Floridians protecting freedom. This is a nonpartisan coalition. In fact, 150,000 some Republicans have signed our petition to make this happen. Of course, the path is not easy. Uh, Not only has this already been a multi-million dollar campaign, but the Supreme Court is going to hear the language. And our Attorney General Ashley Moody is pushing for the language to not be accepted. So we're going to fight in court to protect this language. And of course, in the interim, we are working to finish 
the petition gathering, Florida has made the process very difficult. It's not just collecting a certain number, but we have to collect a certain number per congressional district. So we have focused our campaign right now on specific districts that are targeted and I feel very confident before the year is over, we will collect the petitions necessary, but part of that is also Floridians helping. If you haven't signed this petition yet, you can go to floridiansprotectingfreedom.com. You can download, print, sign, mail a petition, do it for your friends and family as well. Right. Everyone does count. So really want to emphasize that for our listeners. And this goes for you men in Florida, FloridiansProtectingFreedom.com. Yes. I, I I mentioned Anya Cook. Her her story is devastating. She had a preterm rupture of the membrane, and the doctor told her that she could possibly get an infection or sepsis and die. The, the nurse was asking if she could pray for her. But according to Florida's current ban, she wasn't sick enough yet, and they sent her home, and she wound up miscarrying in a hair salon toilet. And they rushed her to the hospital, and paramedics told her she was bleeding out. And this is because of the incredibly heartless and cruel governor of your state who is more concerned with getting the vote of people who haven't really read the Bible they wave around over the health <laughs> and well-being of the voters and taxpayers right. of his own state. I mean, and remember, this is a 15-week abortion ban. You know, I hear yeah. so many people on the right say that's not a big deal, 15 weeks, eh, no problem, right? But Anya's story is in the context of a 15-week abortion ban. There are basically lawyers making decisions in a hospital boardroom saying, oh, do we think she's sick enough to receive this care? There there should not be a group of lawyers determining if you can receive care or not. That must be a decision made with your doctor. And yet this is what has happened across our state, across America, where you have individuals making decisions to mitigate their liability and their risk while, while people die, while women yeah. die. And so it just Absolutely. further reinforces the importance of, of of helping to codify abortion in the Sunshine State. And I just want to ask you one more question while we're on the topic, because we're all waiting to hear what the Supreme Court is going to do about mifepristone, which, again, is safer right. than pregnancy and safer than childbirth. And we're horrified waiting to see what's going to happen there. You put out a very moving statement about mifepristone, and I thank you for it. Do you believe the Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of letting this the, the FDA approval stand. I can't believe we're having this conversation about lawyers deciding the FDA is wrong about drug safety. It's incredibly scary. It also sets just a, a precedent with any medication that I feel like is incredibly unsettling. I mean, if the Supreme Court allows for far right zealots to overturn FDA approval of medications been, that's been used in this way for decades, then w w other medications will be next. So I think it's important yeah. to think about this in a larger context beyond just abortion rights. But to that point, this is also why elections have consequences. I know there's a lot of rhetoric out there of folks that are um, not happy with President Joe Biden. And look, I get it. There's many policy issues I can go over where I am not in agreement with the White House's approach. But I think it's really important to remember that having a White House that shares in our values is incredibly important. The yeah. fact that I have been able to call the Biden administration on every abortion fight, and not only do they pick up the phone, but they say, how can we help, is huge. And we think about FDA approval on medication like like mifepristone and and misoprostol, it emphasizes how you want a White House that's willing to even override FDA rules, right? You need a White yeah. House that's going to push back and challenge this regardless of what happens. And I worry that if we are going to put our guard down and, you know, allow for someone like Trump or anyone else to get into the White House, that we're missing the bigger picture of what that what that's going to mean for our country and what's going to be for vulnerable populations of people who need access to to, to this medication. Amen. And Representative, I'm so grateful you made the time for us. I want to ask you, you one more question about um, something going on in Florida that's not made too much national news, but I think people should be leaning in to learn a bit about House Bill 49. Uh, my oh understanding my God. is that this, this piece of work, would it'll let businesses make 16 and 17-year-olds work overnights on school nights or more than 30 hours in a school week. I, I Listen, I think it's a great way to bring us closer to the golden age of child labor. I mean, open up some coal mines for the little ones while 
while you're at it. Uh, You spoke beautifully about this, and I watched the committee hearings as you went up against Representative Linda Cheney, who thinks it's up to a child's boss for how late they work, no matter how dangerous it is. What should Americans know about the battle in Mm. your state over HB 49? So first of all, thank you for uplifting this. It's so ironic that the same Republicans who are saying let kids be kids in their efforts to ban books, ban drag shows, uh, ban LGBTQ plus identity are then saying, oh, but let them work. Let them work uh, to 6 a.m. on a school night. Let them work overtime. Let them clean your hotel rooms and and be at 7-Eleven at 3 o'clock in the morning where they really should be sleeping and getting ready for a day of school. And of course, you know, these policies, they... I have navigated commentary by some who think they're not a big deal, who think, oh, well, work is great for kids. And I have to remind them, kids can work right now. As you noted, a 16, 17-year-old in Florida can work 30 hours a week. They have curfews. They can't work later than 11 p.m. because it's of school. They also need to get a 30-minute lunch break. Very basic, modest protections for their health and well-being. This would eliminate all of that. And when we were talking to the bill sponsor and asking her questions, and we were referring to the impacted population as as children, as kids, she said, they're not children, they're youth workers. I mean, my jaw dropped. This notion, youth workers, that is what she said. And I asked her if it was defined in the bill, she said it was, and it's not, by the way. But this concept that, okay, well, if the kid is working, they're no longer a kid anymore, then they should be able to vote. They should be able right. to get tattoos. They should be able to access an abortion without parental They should consent. be able to take a book out of the library with a gay character right. in it in the state of Florida. Right. Right. And so that's the that's the irony of all of this is it's let, let kids be kids unless the tourism industry needs some cheap labor. And that's really what this comes down to. And I made this point in my closing debate because there's far right organizations who are behind this push. Right. I mean, this is happening across the country to weaken child labor laws and bring us back in time. And a part of the tactic is if you saturate the workforce with children, then that also creates lower wages and lower bargaining power. Because at the end of the day, if if the workforce is saturated with young people, then all other workers are not going to have the same leverage to compete and to hold their bosses accountable to a better work environment. So it's only is it is it going to lead to exploitation? Is it going to impact predominantly low wealth families and black and brown kids, create higher rates of absenteeism alongside high school dropout rates? But mm-hmm. it's also clearly designed to impact every worker. And that point needs to be made clear because I think some folks don't understand that. They don't see it, that it impacts them directly. Maybe they don't have kids, for example. But remember that if you're a worker that you do not want to see an influx of cheap labor in your environment because it will impact your ability to ask that that raise, to seek higher wages. And that is the ultimate goal is to maintain wages as low as possible and to keep our brightest kids out of the out of a place of academic achievement. Representative Anna Eskamani serves on behalf of Florida's 42nd District of Orange County in the Florida State House of Representatives. She is a superstar, and I cannot wait to vote for her on the national level at some point in the future. Thank you so much for joining us and for classing our show up this year. I'm looking forward to an amazing 2024 and hope we can drag you into our evil army of the night even more. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you, Representative, and all your work? Well, thank you so much again for having me. And you can follow us on every major social media platform at Anna for Florida, all spelled out with two N's at Anna for Florida. And our website is AnnaForFlorida.com. Thank you so much.